Just talk. We uh, very good. We had a very insightful talk and uh, so cover very broad areas and also raise uh, a few questions. I found that you two share a few things, although one come from SE, one from Harvard, you saw there's a slight difference. And, uh, but uh, you found that you do share many things. The one thing you know, both of you uh, uh, agree we're facing really the urgent uh, challenge of climate change. I think you agree with one, one thing. And you both agree with that China is growing to become a big economy and will play a very important role in the low-carbon world in the future. Number three, you both agree to deliver these issues and to get things done, we should base on the market mechanism to build a new incentive scheme and then the market will lead. And last but least, of course, the most important thing, both of you are very op optimistic about the future. So you think human beings will be able to find the way to solve this issue. Now, that's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's nice to have optimism. And, uh, now, and also, the good news is we still have you know, a little bit of less than 20 minutes for discussions. Uh, I'm sure we have a lot of issues here. But since I'm the moderator, I have to use my power first, I guess. Now, the first question for Nick. You mentioned the number. Obviously, it's a huge number. Currently, there's a 40 million ton emission. In, 20, in 2030, it should drop down to 35, right? Now, meanwhile, you see this very strong economic growth, and the population also increase. Obviously, if we don't change anything, the emission should parallel an upside. But what the Minister Liu mentioned is there are so many dimensions because different countries are the different development strategy. You may go through different sort of energy intensive or emission intensive phase. And also, Minister Liu mentioned another interesting uh, uh, dimension is there's a global cooperation and the division of the labor. With some economy focus on service areas, they may need less energy, and the others may in a heavy-duty ma manufacturing, they may emission a lot of pollution or use a lot of carbon as well. Now the question is, who will distribute this quarter? Will you be the king of a carbon quarter distribution? <laughs> then being a lord. <laughs> What's the formula to distribute yeah. this? Yeah. This, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. You say 35 billion emissions yeah. in 2030. What will be the mechanism? You understand this is an eight hours lecture issues, but I give you maybe three minutes. Okay. The short answer is will it be myself that distributes? That's a very easy question. The answer to that is no. But I assume. Oh, that's that, very sad. I assume, I assume that you wanted something more profound than, uh, than that. Um, I think that uh, as both uh, my friend Yu and I underlined, we have to understand common but differentiated responsibility. We have to understand history. And uh, we have to understand the pattern of production. And we have to understand that some countries are very much richer than others. All these things feed in. 
But we also have to understand that the world faces this constraint. Uh, we can't, by underlining all these difficulties and, and problems of equity and worrying about who's responsible, producer and consumer, all these things which we do worry about cannot be reasons for breaking the overall constraint. Otherwise, if that happens, we will be in a very risky world. So we have to start from there. I think the right way forward on these issues of who does what has two things. First, that the rich countries should take the lead. In other words, rich countries should go very fast. If they go very fast, it means that they will be paying some of the discovery costs, but then they can share those discovery costs with others. The second part of the story is that those discovery costs um, should be, the benefits from those investments in discovery should be shared in a very strong way so that everybody has access to the technologies. Then it seems to me that the development plans of developing countries could look at the examples, pick up the technologies, recognize the constraints, and make their own plans. So it would be done, I think, in a process where rich countries take strong responsibility, but we all sit down very regularly to do the adding up. And that way, I think, we can get forward through example and discussion. And what I'm not offering you by way of answer is a formula, because I don't think that a mechanical formula will uh, actually give us the answer. We have to look at the constraints. We have strong action by rich countries, technology uh, by rich countries, and then we work out how it all uh, fits together. But I think the responsibility on the rich countries is fundamental to this, as, of course, is the overall constraint. So I can't give you a formula, and I don't think no, a formula is going to work. I'm sorry to push you a little further since you're here. It's not easy to get you. And uh, no, I fully understand it's very much a dynamic process. Yep. But you say, we, we will often sit down to calculate. Who are we? Oh, I think you're going to need... Uh, we have an IMF, which you very oh. soon will be running, to look at uh, and uh, give uh, guidance on the state of various, for example, uh, macroeconomic imbalances of the world, on the state of a particular economy. I think that uh, as soon as we get an agreement on climate change, we're going to need a World Environment Organization mm -hmm. which actually impartially and clearly does these calculations on the basis, of course, of numbers which uh, individual countries give it, just as the IMF does its Article 4 consultations and looks at the macroeconomic position on the basis that the numbers give it. And I think that will, should be the forum where we sit down and do these uh, calculations. If Maynard Keynes and White and Seymour White were getting together now, as opposed to 1944 in Bretton Woods, they would have three institutions. They'd have one institution, which would be the IMF and the World Bank together. They would have a World Trade Organization, and they would have a World Environment Organization. And I think we need that impartial, impartial place where these things are worked out together. Wow, that's a fantastic place. So it's an institutional answer right. and a conceptual answer. It's not uh -huh. a formula answer. Uh -huh. Well, that's an uh, that's absolutely yeah. amazing uh, idea. Now we, let's uh, open to the floor, I guess. Uh, uh, we have a lot of questions and issues. Please raise your hands and uh, say who are you and uh, before you say any, anything. 
Okay, there's a young gentleman here. Yeah. The front, yeah. The, 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 the next one, yeah, you, you are the second one. You have to be patient. Queuing is a classical tradition in China. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Zhumin. And uh, I'm, uh, my name is Robert Lee. I just graduated from LC wow. uh, with a Master of Economic Development. Uh, well, this question is about the plan. As I um, understood, the plan is, uh, is, is amazing. At least um, what we feel is, is amazing. So uh, the, the question for professors then is, what do you think the largest um, or by large, what's the main concern that you have in your mind um, that we could um, in 20, 2030 achieve 35 billion tons reduction? Um, well, it's a reduction of a quarter for now. What do you think is the, the, the largest problem? In your mind now, what's the largest concern? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, now we get another young man behind. So we got two questions, so and get together. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I didn't know uh, this gentleman actually looks younger than me uh, just now. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a question. Uh, you, I'm from. You, uh, you want to be look older, do you? <laughs> um, my name is Max Z. I'm from Shanghai Oriental Securities and also a member of the uh, LSC alumni. I have a question for uh, uh, both of uh, the gentlemen. Um, since we know that politicians are more than often uh, sh seeing things with short perspectives, uh, and they usually have fixed tenure, usually five, uh, five years, and do they really have the incentives to engage in uh, international cooperation, uh, the results of which would only be seen uh, in a minimum of perhaps 10 years. And also this may create a lot of domestic uh, a conflict with domestic interests. So how do international organizations actually um, elicit uh, maximum efforts from uh, sovereign nations? Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question also, classical question. Uh, but uh, I have to tell you, in China it's slightly different. I, I guess you didn't read through uh, Minister Liu's uh, resume. Uh, he was in that senior position so far for six years now, and he's still there. And I guess he will be there for another six years. And uh, yeah, the question first, Nick, for you, and also for um, Liu. the biggest problem in all this. Uh, I see the biggest problem in one place and in one idea. I think the biggest problem is in the U.S. Uh, it has emissions per capita well over. 20 tons per annum. Uh, China is about 6 tons per annum. Uh, India below 2 tons and most of sub-Saharan Africa below 1 ton per capita per annum. I think people around the world worrying about the equity of all this, looking where the technology is, looking where the wealth is to invest in new methods, would naturally expect the United States to take a lead. And uh, I hope the United States will take a lead. I think there's a possibility that the United States could take a lead um, on showing just what technology can do and giving examples. As uh, Bill Clinton once said that the United States, uh, and this was in the uh, Democratic um, Convention which adopted uh, Barack Obama as candidate, which I attended, he said that uh, the United States should show 
the power of example and not the example of power. And I think the United States is in a very powerful position to do exactly that, to give the power of the example, to show what can be done. And I worry that the political makeup of the United States might make that very difficult. I think the rest of the world has to get on with it anyway. But uh, if the United States doesn't move quickly, it will make the argument much more difficult because people will say, well, they're not doing it with all their wealth and all their technology. Why should we? It will make it more difficult. The second is the idea, the idea of low-carbon growth, the idea of breaking the relationship between output and emissions. That's fundamental because if we break the relationship between output and emissions, then we do not have uh, a trade-off between growth and climate responsibility. I think there is no trade-off between growth and climate responsibility. If it becomes that, that we cannot be climate responsible unless we slow down, if that becomes the issue, then climate responsibility will lose and growth will win. And we have to show it is a false dichotomy. It's not the choice we have to make. High carbon growth is a contradiction in terms, but we have to show that low carbon growth really works. We have to show it by argument. We have to show it by example. So I, I, that is the idea that we have to win, or the, the idea we have to present, the argument we have to win in the United States, in Europe, in India, and in China. And that's fundamental to the story. And I'm hoping that the 12th five-year plan will show something of uh, that story. What about short-run and short-sighted politicians? Um, I guess I know and have worked with, and I will not name any names, um, some politicians. But, uh, and so have many people in this room. I'm very struck on this issue how long-term the vision of ordinary people really is. Because many, you know, in 2050 I will be 103. And <laughs> I will be back here in China looking at what you have been uh, doing. But I probably will not see the worst effects of climate change. I find it quite striking that people right across the age spectrum are concerned, deeply concerned about this issue and demanding that their politicians act seriously. You see some enlightened politicians too. At uh, his acceptance speech on the night of November the 4th, 2008, Barack Obama asked, what if my daughters, who I think were 8 and 10 or something like that, grow to the age of Alice Nixon Cooper and she was one of his greatest supporters, she was 106. I think politicians are asking the long-term questions, but it's the job of us as university people analyzing and thinking. It's the job of ordinary people as citizens to put pressure on politicians. Some of them will lead. Some of them have to be pushed mm -hmm. to lead. But it's not impossible. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. yeah, good. Yeah. Also, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think the question is very good. Uh, for me, I'm quite concerned about the short-term or short-sighted behavior of some politicians uh, to deal with the challenge of climate change with the long-run tasks. But uh, uh, in some uh, countries, uh, politicians are really concerned about the voting rate, especially during the financial crisis time. So how to solve this problem, for me, is sort of a paradox or dilemma. I don't know 
was the result. But I do hope, uh, as I discussed with Nick during the, before, before this session, I think the first priority for dealing with climate change is try to strengthen the social consensus. And everybody thinks this is the very important thing. The politician must do it. And if he or she do not take the responsibility, his voting rate will decline. So I think before we talk about the incentives, before we talk about the arrangement of the institutional things, we have to do more propaganda. And that everybody knows. It's quite a dangerous situation. And the last the politicians know the reality and the future. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we still have a few more minutes. Let's open another one. Okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's the lady. Uh, my name is Gloria Xu from Taiwan, and I'm a Kennedy School alumni. <laughs> and I have a question. Uh, uh, the Copenhagen Accord uh, was presented by small group of uh, powerful nations. Um, to many countries, um, they are uh, uh, like given or leave it, give or leave it. So, uh, do you think in the future the UN negotiation may be more irrelevant, or um, they were back to the UN process? Uh, in addition. Um, during the COP15, the interests of basic country are not necessarily the same with small developing countries. So we see some gaps between uh, G77s and China. So um, maybe, um, would you like to comment on that? That's, that's a good question. Uh, 197 countries, everyone should be equal, but uh, difficult to get them together into the program. I understand there's another, another hand there. Do we? Do we have other questions? Uh, let's uh, solicit it. Yes, the lady again. Yeah, there. We have all the boys. I'm有一位女士要提问。我是三三丹，我来自。他们就来自UEC计划。大家知道，在去年中国面临着这个灾难，比如说金融危机。还有四川地震，但是我们的GDP却增长了百分之八点七。在今年，我们的目标仍然是。Percent? Are there on some difference on either two or eight percent? It's a question for you, but did you get it? Yeah. It's a question to Mr. Liu. Yeah, for 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 Mr. Liu, for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. But can you repeat the question, please? Please. Oh, okay. You, you want to ask the, the growth rate of GDP or? Could, oh, yes. Oh, could, you hold, could you hold the microphone just slightly further away from your, yeah. it, it, was a distort, it was getting very distorted, we couldn't hear. Okay, I'm from the U University, UESM program, of students of that program. I would like to know that in China last year, China experienced international financial crisis impact of it, and it's a trial quick, and it's lead as snow disaster and a drought. But GDP grew by 8.7% this year. The economic situation is turning for better, but our 
uh, GDP is still 8%. I want to know the difference between the 8% last year and this year's perspective 8%. One more. Okay, the lady there. The hands is very high. Yeah. And also, the gentleman will give you the last chance. So we're equal three to three. 谢谢，我是来自北京环境教育所的，我叫彭鹏。可能我。I'm Peng Peng. I have a question that is highly technical. I would like to ask the Prime Minister. And whatever climate change or environmental protection we are living conditions need to be improved. But our we find that improve. Uh, regions, it's very fierce, and I would like to know: Do we have some state policies to to prioritize for the poor areas, like the fishing areas, animal husbandry areas? I would like to know: There are more people to be get involved in the emission reduction. Our institution is、uh, encouraging to do that, and I would like to know the policies from the state in this perspective. Some encouraging policies. Last one. I have to close, otherwise the conference will kill me.、Yeah. <laughs> hi, my name. Hi, my name is Yao Shu from graduate from Warwick Business School. I got a question for、uh, Professor Lord、uh, Stern. And、um, what can you comment on the following、um, sentence, please? Some people think global warming is the biggest lie in 21st century. What do you think? Thanks. Oh, okay. That's an issue.、Uh, whom shall we, we, we start? Let's.、Uh, Mr. Liu Huan, I ask you to start. You can. 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 Yeah, put it the wrong way. Yeah, put it the wrong way. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, sometimes the government,、uh, government officials sometimes、uh, make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>、uh, it's a very good question. <coughs>、uh, may I、uh, answer your question in, in, in Chinese? Yes.、Uh, mm. Of course.、Uh, He answered that. The eight percent growth GDP growth last year. Is out of the ensuring economic growth due to the down decline of exports. I think the the danger of、uh, unemployment is lo- was looming, and、uh, so so we were to create new jobs. So last year's aim is like that. In such a great country like China, so big. Our, empl- our employment rate, employment situation, was very acute during the financial crisis several years ago. Premier Wen Jiabao still mentioned that. In the United States,、uh, uh, has its own political issues, and we have our own. The biggest issue is to ensure social stability and employment. And this year, eight percent means that differently. There are some major challenge、uh, changes, and the growth rate is not problem for macroeconomic policy. By that macroeconomic policy, we need to while maintaining their fast air development stably, we need to 
strengthen, quicken uh, the shifting of economic pattern, including the industrial mix. We cannot indulge in the uh, development of consuming too much energy. We should turn to low-income economy and tertiary industry development. So the meanings of the two eight percent are different. You may be asked. You may wonder. You may wonder why still we set eight percent for this year. Vice President Drew said that we are to handle relationship between the shifting of economic development pattern and other relationships. If we raise too high targets. That we cannot be managed well, due to the complexity of international or external pressures, and China has taken this policy of eight percent growth GDP、uh, GDP growth rate very prudently, carefully. First, talking about the environmental degradation of the poorer countries uh, or uh, areas, rather. Since the implementation of the 11th five-year plan, the state has clarified a rule, and that we divide national land into four categories: support if development、uh, to be supported, to be restricted, to be banned, and to be allowed at an appropriate and a reasonable level. Four kinds of areas. Were capitalized for national land, so we hope that the large land in the western regions of China, some part of it, should not prioritize the industrial development, but rather should take for the first task as the environmental protection. Without industrial development, how can you increase your per capita GDP, your living standards? We can resort to the Transfer payment from the finance from the central government, but behind that, we need to introduce or arrange a lot of policies and to make policies measures. We have been doing some solid work. We should continue our work. Another issue is that highly technical. That's involved about government support. The Intelligence or think tank institution of this kind. I can tell you candidly that China's government is willing and actively to support that.、Um, we heard this morning from、um, the foreign minister about the challenges of making、um, democracy across nations really work, and this is something we have in our discussion on climate change. Um, that is why I think the process we're following this year is better than the process we followed last year. This is the process we're following this year.、Uh, I'm deeply involved in it, but not as a government official, as、uh, an LSE academic and friend of China, as well as someone who happens to live in the UK. The what we're doing is through processes like this、uh, high-level panel on climate finance. Studying options so that we can propose、uh, a small set of carefully studied options with their pros and cons to the process. That should then be picked up in a smallish group between 20 or 30 countries, which the Mexican presidency has put together, 
and which emerged at the end of the story in Copenhagen, far too late, as a group which is broadly spread across the world, understands and comes from a lot of very different backgrounds, but is there to try to translate ideas into agreement. And then that kind of group, having tried to bring different perspectives together and come to an agreement, would put ideas to the much bigger group of 192. That seems to me a logical way of going forward, and it's been born out of the chaos of trying to do everything with 192 people in the room on every single occasion. And I think we can make it work. That's an example of a pragmatic approach to international democracy. Um, but you can't have everybody talking all of the time. In, uh, that's not going to be a functional democratic process. Now, what about um, climate change or global warming being the biggest lie the world has uh, ever seen? Well, put quite simply, it's irrational, unscientific, and dangerous. And this is why. Uh, Joseph Fourier, the great uh, French mathematician, uh, in 1820 began this work. He examined the heat balance of the Earth, looking at the equilibrium temperature of the Earth, taking into account energy coming in and energy going out. He discovered that the, that the Earth was much warmer than that basic heat balance analysis would suggest. He suggested, and it was a, turned out to be correct, that the um, atmosphere is trapping some of the energy going out. In the middle of the 19th century, uh, the British uh, physicist uh, Tyndall, John Tyndall, experimentally started to see which, what part of the atmosphere, what bits in the atmosphere were doing the trapping. And he did it experimentally. And he discovered that certain gases were doing that. At the end of the 19th century, the uh, Swedish chemist, Arrhenius, who subsequently won Nobel Prize, uh, started to do calculations on how big this effect might be. Calculations which, in the end, were not too, not too bad. So this is an old piece of science that's been produced by basic analysis, experiment, and, of course, as we started to understand the oscillation of molecules, we see why it happens. So this is basic, simple scientific ideas. And then well-founded theory, in other words. We, it's not just correlation. We began, actually, with the theory, and it turned out to fit. Now, as time has gone by, we have ice cores from the Antarctic going back 800,000 years, Using those ice cores, you can get proxies for uh, CO2 and proxies for temperature, and you find a very close fit over 800,000 years. Um, precise temperature measurement have been about 150 years old, and you find, again, a very good fit with the theory, which came first, not after the correlation, it came first. So this is very sound, basic science, which has preceded in the way that science often proceeds. And, you know, you might find it inconvenient to live in a world where gravity works. Indeed, there are plenty of people I can introduce you to who think that levitation is possible. Uh, they discover it isn't. 
There are people who think that if they leave the fridge door open, the, the room will cool down. They haven't discovered the laws of thermodynamics. You know, these are basic, it's basic stuff. Now, so to, to try to fly in the face of that evidence is irrational and unscientific. It's also dangerous, because if you tell me that you know for sure, for sure, or very sure, that uh, this problem doesn't exist, then you're saying, let's get on with it, let's do high-carbon growth. But you, if this is a problem of risk management. Your statement that you worry that there's things still to discover, you worry there's uncertainty. I worry there's uncertainty. I'm interested there are things still to discover. Of course there are. But if you say, because we haven't discovered everything, we are sure there's no risk, it's not only deeply illogical, it's extremely dangerous because waiting, waiting, will mean that the concentrations build up in the atmosphere and it becomes that much uh, more difficult. So to say it's the biggest lie the world has ever seen is irrational, unscientific and dangerous, but apart from that, it's all right. This is a good question and also a good, good answer. Very, also good LSE. But uh, also we have a voice from Harvard want to have another touch. Ministry was concerned that any foreigner want to raise the question or ask a question. I think uh, we are living in the international community. Yeah. Everyone is a foreigner, everyone is domestic. Yeah. Oh, that's a young lady. Oh, not young lady, I'm sorry. That's a lady, you're young. You look very young. I mean. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, Minister is very kindly. And uh, we have the lady, truly international. Hey, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. can you miss the lady? Thank you, thank you, Jimin. I, I, th I think I'll stay being young, thank you. <laughs> um, I have a question for you both, actually. I thought um, you made a very interesting point about growth, um, Lord Stern, regarding the question of this balance between if we go for a, a low-carbon future, does it mean low growth? And I'd like to agree with you, but unfortunately, I think a lot of people in the West don't see it that way. I think they do see that low, uh, low carbon means low growth, and I think that there is a lot of political lobbying to that effect. So I have a question for both of you, which I think is interesting. I wonder, Lord Stern, how you think that can be addressed. How can we persuade people, particularly in Europe and the US, that low carbon can be commensurate with high growth, or, or at least reasonable growth. Very and, articulated uh, question. For uh, Minister Liu He, I would like to ask you how, picking up on some of the ideas you've both raised today, do you think that instead of relying on America to lead on technology, because that may not happen given the political dynamics, do you think China could actually take the lead but perhaps show America something in being open about sharing technology, because I suspect that China may come up with the technology quicker than America. Aha, Liu He, you want to question, you got a question. <laughs> Sorry, that's the last one. Yeah. Nick, please, you first. Um, low carbon growth. In response to our young friend at the back, I said that uh, what worried me most 
was that people don't see what I think is a very powerful argument that low-carbon growth is the only growth option. High-carbon growth will kill itself. We can see that very quickly. But what about low-carbon growth? Um, I think that uh, the challenge of persuasion is there. There are indeed many people who don't get it. And there are many people who have a vested interest in not getting it. Uh, this is about radical change. Change involves dislocation. China handles dislocation better than any other country in the world. But we all have to learn to handle dislocation, and we handle it, or should handle it, because we see the prize is so great. So we have to, we mustn't, yeah, we're running late, so we've got to finish quickly. And it says, regards, thank you, regards are very welcome, LSE events. So I have to be very quick. But we have to show past industrial revolutions and show how technological change did dislocate but also uh, produced very high growth. We have to show, I mean, for example, um, southern China, of course, demonstrates everything to the world. Um, wherever China chooses an example, it would be tremendous. We have to find low-carbon cities around the world. California is not doing uh, badly on this issue. We need, and uh, Sweden doing very well. We need examples, strong, clear examples. They'll be outside China, they'll be inside China. Some will be in the United States, some will be uh, elsewhere. I worried also that the United States would not take the lead. Uh, they might not. We must ask them to show them why it matters so much, show the gains to them. But if they don't, the rest of the world can't wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Please. Yeah. Uh, may, may I give some uh, reactions for your first question first? I think uh, currently there is a dangerous of overcapacity all over the world, both in Asia, in other developing countries, even in developed countries. So entrepreneurs will try to seek the new opportunities. And the answer is maybe low carbon technology. Uh, there is a potential and a huge market. So there is no doubt in the future this sort of technology and this sort of economy will create huge opportunities. But uh, if you go fast, you would be the leader. This is the first question, my response. And the second question about the role of China, uh, I, I do think uh, the Chinese government uh, play a very important role to promote uh, development of a new all-green economy. I give you a figure in last year. The total investment for, for clear energy in China is about uh, 39 billion US dollars. But in the United States, it's only 18.6 billion for this sort of expenditure. Uh, secondly, as I mentioned, I don't think we should try to figure out which country is more important. We should try to promote the behavior investment for entrepreneurs to do something, whether it's U.S. enterprise or Chinese enterprise or U.K. enterprise. The government should try to, should try to create a platform, let the market play its fundamental roles. Thank you for your question. <laughs> we had a, such a fascinating session, and uh, all these different ideas uh, come out and the comments, questions. Uh, I don't think I have time to sum them up. I don't think I need to sum them up. But the key issues at the end, I think Nick have 
picture for the whole world. Ministers Liu say China's committed. I think that that's wonderful. And they both agree everyone should participate in the process to be able to make this war a better, greener tomorrow. And it's also the feeling get from the audience. So let's hold our hands and give a big applause for his excellent speech below and for your participation. Thank you. This session is closed, but I'm sorry to say you have only five minutes for break. That's my fault. Thank you.